Volume One, Chapter Sixteen of Cats. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cats: Their Points and Characteristics with Curiosities of Cat Life, and a Chapter on Feline Ailments by W. Gordon Staples. Volume One, Chapter Sixteen: Hunting Exploits. Catching mice is, to a proper-minded cat, a mere parlour pastime, only to be resorted to on rainy days, or of a night when too restless to sleep. It stands to pussy in the same relation that indoor croquet, billiards, or reading a book in bed does to our noble selves. Rat-catching is only just one degree better, and principally enjoyed by cats who have not reached maturity in body and intellect. Cats, in fact, in their howl de hoyhood to the matured cat, especially if highly bred, belong all the joys and excitement of the chase afield. There is as much difference between the hunting of an animal of the cat kind and that of one of the canine order as there is between the skilled tactics of German warfare and the wild rush to battle of Arab cavalry. There is more honesty in the one, more craft and cunning in the other. A dog is singularly destitute in what is called, in Scotland, candiness. He also wants patience, but the cat, armed with this gift, combined with cunning and skill gained from experience, is master for anything in the field which she considers game, and chooses to square her moustache at. Even to a human being, stalking one's prey is infinitely more engrossing than the mere hunting of it. The latter is pleasing, certainly, but the former is charming. Pussy prefers the charming, while our friend the dog merely runs down his prey and takes little pains to show skill even in that. Leaving rats and mice along with blue-bottle flies in the category of mere kittens' play, Pussy's game list includes hares, rabbits, stoats, weasels, water-rats, and moles, besides everything that flies or has feathers, from the humble household sparrow to the black cock of the mountain. Not before a cat reaches maturity, that is, three years of age, does the propensity for outdoor hunting become a passion with her. But once imbued with it, the desire never leaves her as long as she can run. Perny is a little female pussy, belonging to a laboring man. At the time I write, she is over twenty years old, but hale and hearty, and as playful as a kitten. She's a perfect adept at catching all sorts of vermin, but more particularly goes in for mole-catching. When she spies a molehill, she at once sets herself down to watch it. Nor will she raise the siege for hours until the little gentleman in velvet gives signs of his presence by casting up a few grains of earth. Then is pussy's opportunity. She springs nimbly on the bank and plunges her arms up to the shoulders into the earth, and never fails to bring poor Moley to bank, and the daylight has hardly had time to dazzle his eyes before he is dead. Last year, Pierney, being then nineteen years of age, had a thrilling adventure with a large hare. The hare, which was at least double the size of Pussy, had been enjoying a quiet nap during the heat of the day in a field not far from the house, when Pierney stumbled across its trail and on following it up, the battle ensued. The hare, says my informant, fought with great vigor, and often floored her antagonist, but Perny sent in her claws and teeth till blood flew like rain and fur like drift, driven snow, and the hare soon becoming exhausted, Perny seized it by the throat, and its plaintive screams were presently hushed in death. 
Grazie was a tomcat, and rather famous for his hunting exploits. One day, Grazie, being on a warpath, encountered a very large weasel, and was at once mutually agreed to try conclusions in a fair stand-up fight. The battle was witnessed by Grazie's owners, and lasted the greater part of the afternoon, and ended triumphantly for Pussy, in the defeat and death of the weasel. When Grazie found out that his fallen foe was indeed dead, he took it up in his teeth, and carrying it home, deposited it on the front door steps, intending it no doubt as a present for his mistress, as well as a trophy of his own prowess. A cat never springs on her prey unless sure of catching it, and her aim is most unerring. I know a cat that killed over a score of large rats in one day, and on one of these she sprang from a height of no less than twelve feet. I counted one day no less than 350 mice which a cat had killed single-handed at the removal of a rick of oats in a farmer's yard. He was a fine, noble red tabby, and it was quite a sight to see the surprising strength and agility with which he worked. He killed most of them with his paws, seldom putting a tooth in one. Every time there was a lull in the flow of vermin, he took the opportunity of clearing the ground of the slain, which he carried to a convenient distance and placed all together in a heap. When all was over, to see honest Tom set himself down in front of his heap of carnage, and thoughtfully and complacently contemplate his bloody handiwork, would have been a study for the great Landseer himself. But not one of his slain victims did Tom eat. Indeed, high-bred cats seldom care to eat mice unless they are very hungry. They much prefer fish to anything else, and the flesh of birds they consider a greater luxury than even that of rabbits. Solomon, or Habakkuk, or Nebuchadnezzar, or some great Hebrew authority, says, Conies are a feeble folk. Doubtless they were so in those days, and taken singly so they are in our day, but combinedly they are powerful indeed, as many a poor ruined farmer can testify. They are very wise, too, and this wisdom is especially displayed in the number of doors they have in each of their dwellings, so that should an enemy in the shape of a pussy or a ferret pop in at one door, Bunny would just pop out at the other. I knew a cat in the Isle of Man, she had no tail worth mentioning, who used to make this very habit of the rats a means of securing her prey. She used to enter one hole suddenly, and us suddenly reappear stern first. Of course, Bunny by this time was scampering off to the opposite hole, and there at the door Pussy would nab him just as he came out. Cats almost invariably bring home their prey to be either leisurely eaten, given to their kittens, or presented to their owners. A man in Banffshire rented a small farm from a game-preserving laird. This man was ruined by rabbits, and turned out of house and home by them. They first ate up all his oats, his grass, and turnips, so that only potatoes could be grown on the place. By and by they took to eating the stems of even those as soon as they appeared above ground, so that all the poor man's livestock was reduced to one in number, namely, a big tabby cat. This cat throve upon the foe. She also took a few youthful prisoners whom she brought home to play with, and amuse a fine family of kittens which she had in the cottage garret. These young rabbits lived and grew, and burrowed and made nests in the thatch. It was the awful row this happy family used to make every night which first led to the discovery. When the farmer found out one night the cause of the disturbance, he came down and awakened his wife, and, Jane, said he, 
and he looked almost sublime as he stood on the cold damp floor with a penny candle in one hand in rather scanty shirt tails and red kilmernock nightcap he was a study for a rembrandt jane i've been a duffer too long those rascally rabbits they've eaten up everything we have outdoors now they've stormed and taken our castle by and by they'll eat the bed from under us then they'll eat ourselves but jane to-morrow morning i'm off this he said self-sacrificingly i'm off jane to the lands of america and the good people went leaving pussy and the feeble folks in undisputed possession of house and farm gamekeepers do all they can to destroy the life of poor pussy by setting traps for and shooting her wherever met but some cats come to know all about the treacherous wires and how to avoid them they know too that hares and rabbits often fall into these snares and accordingly they turn this knowledge to good account and when they find a half-strangled animal in the gin they quietly dispatch and if possible carry it home cats are great enemies to birds in the breeding season but it is surprising with what terrible fierceness even the smallest birds will defend their nests from the inroads of predatory cats whose evil intentions are thus often frustrated pussy has many enemies to contend with on the hunting ground a poacher the other day was returning home in the grey light of early morning when he observed a large fox coming in his direction with what the man took to be a hare over his shoulder the man fired and reynard dropped his burden was a fine large cat poor pussy had been promising herself a nice plump rabbit for breakfast the fox thought she should like a fine healthy cat for a change there is many a slip twixt the cup and the lip and the poacher's gun brought matters to quite a different conclusion i know a case of a cat that returned from hunting with two moderate-sized but full-grown rats in her mouth and both alive and staring they were no doubt sitting cheek by jowl when pussy made the spring if i tell the reader of a cat that is so clever that she can catch swallows on the wing i suppose i may be allowed to close this chapter in peace it does seem a little yankee doodlish i confess but it's nevertheless a fact at the foot of a certain postmaster's garden flows a stream in which his cat takes many a good salmon trout this stream is spanned by an old-fashioned turf-covered tree bridge without any parapet on this bridge crouches this sagacious cat and often secures a swallow as it skims out from under that's all end of volume one chapter sixteen